Hi, this is Garrett Wong. I played Ensign Harry Kim on Voyager, and you're listening to Trek FM. Hello, and welcome to Season 5, Episode 8 of Commentary, Trek Stars, a show which deals with the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. I'm Mike. I'm Max. Max is back. He was gone on that long away mission thing that we kept up for like a month. I'm surprised that we were able to. Kept up? Yeah, we had like a whole storyline. Like first you went to like Ryza, then you came back, but you picked up Andorian shingles. So you were in sick bay. Then you went on another away mission, this time to SETI Alpha 5, but we weren't sure what was going to happen with SETI Alpha 6, and then that hit and spun out of orbit, but you were... We had a whole big, long storyline. The weird thing is, if you, like, replace the nouns, it's pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah, I know. I kind of figured. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, you're back now. Mm-hmm. Which is great. However, John is gone. Although, here's a cool thing, right? Because it's the We holidays. can't actually be in the same place at the same time. It's a whole Clark Kent Superman thing. I don't know which one's which. Well, you're wearing glasses, but so does he. So, I don't know. Anyway, um, but you know what? The, the, here's, here's an interesting thing that you guys can do. The reason why John isn't here is because it's Christmas week, and everyone's busy, and John has another podcast, which is his, you know, his thing, Words with Nerds, which you can find at nerdswords.podbean.com. And this was the only time that he could record his show. Right, so he's recording his show right now as we are recording our show. So if you want the full experience, go to nerdswords.podbean.com and download this week's episode of Words with Nerds, and then start it up at the exact same time that you start this up, and you can literally experience what all of the commentary Trek stars are doing right now. At this moment in time. I don't understand why we don't just interrupt him. We just like Twitter bomb him and call him and email him so that like all of the <laughs> notifications happen at the same time so you can actually time it correctly so that you can listen to both of them at the same time and hear us annoying him. Today we are starting uh, a new series. This one on LeVar Burton mm-hmm. and his work as an Emmy nominee. It's kind of crazy. This guy has won like a dozen Emmys for like reading rainbow but we're we're going to look at the the two things which he was nominated for at least yeah. in terms of like primetime stuff which are uh both as an actor and as a producer slash host mm-hmm. for roots and reading rainbow now uh today before we do that we are going to look at his work in star trek and of course everyone knows him as Jordy laforge but uh what people may not be as familiar with i'm sure they're familiar with it but not as familiar with is is his work um as a director which is pretty substantial he's essentially directed a season's worth of star trek so yep star trek the next generation geordie laforge played by lavar burton what do you think about geordie laforge as a character i think he's very polite and likable um, he's like a teddy bear that occasionally rolls under a door. Um, it does a barrel roll under a door, right? I don't know if that's technically a barrel roll. Okay. All right. So I think a barrel roll has to be like a lateral. I think it's like, um, I think it's yaw. 
Okay. Okay. But yeah, I don't know. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, I think the main problem with Jordy is that he's just kind of like a nice guy. Like he doesn't really have a lot of internal conflict. I mean, that's really the only real problem with the character is that he's just sort of too good. Okay. All right. I kind of disagree with your assessment of the character. I well, that's important. <laughs> as as is very well known by uh, a lot of people, I don't like Jordy LaForge at all. This has nothing to do with LeVar Burton. I think that LeVar Burton's portrayal of Jordy LaForge is very good, and I think that he does a very good job of playing him as a jerk. I think it's very intentional. I think that's how the character is written. I think that her, his performance is very solid. I'm not saying that LeVar Burton's a jerk. I'm not saying that LeVar Burton's a bad actor. I think LeVar Burton is a good actor, but he didn't seem like a jerk. Jory LaForge, he seems like a jerk. And I think that that character is really um, annoying. But I think he was written that way. I think he's supposed to be. I don't know. But there's this weird conflict between them saying, like, we want to make this guy kind of a jerk. And we want to or we need to make all of these characters likable to each other and all get along and everything. And it's like, why are you dealing with this jerk? But maybe there's a reason why his only like real friend or his only really close friend is the the android mm-hmm. who's not offended yeah. by people being jerks. Yeah. I don't know. But you know, there's there's a lot of uh, Geordi episodes, and and the character itself, you know, ha- went through kind of an evolution. You know, the, the initial concept I think was pretty solid on a metaphorical level. The idea of the uh, I'm curious, which one of us is Data? In 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 this scenario, who's yeah. I think that you're Data and I'm Geordi. Really? E- even though I think that you're more of a jerk than I am. I'd like to think so. <laughs> It's not a perfect analogy. I don't know. Okay. But, you know, whatever. So so the idea of the helmsman of the ship, the guy driving the ship being a blind guy, I think that there's there's something really strong there in the sort of Star Trek metaphorical sense, you know? Um Okay, well, I don't think that he was actually supposed to be the helmsman in the sense that he was literally driving the ship. I think that was metaphorically what was supposed to be what was going on. I, mm-hmm. I think I think Gene Roddenberry has said as much, actually. You know, mm-hmm. It's just like the idea of, like, yes, we want to include someone who has a disability of some sort, you know, to show that, you know, this is not going to be a factor in the future, and we're going to sort of hit that nail right on the head by saying, like, the guy who's responsible for driving the ship is blind. At the same time, it kind of still plays into the notion that there's something wrong and it needs to be corrected. That's true. You know, I mean, that, and that is something which I think uh, Roddenberry has been criticized for in, in a lot of ways. But, mm-hmm. but there's also sort of the idea of like, I, and I think kind of what he was going for, you know, in his heart was like, this, these are not, this isn't a limitation, you know, this can actually be um, a strength. You know, Jordy sees better than the rest of us. Well, I mean... Just different. It's not like the first time it's been done. I mean, is there no, no truth in beauty? Oh, sure. I mean, yeah, but I mean... To be, same thing. <laughs> sure, but to be able to sort of make it a uh, one of your main characters, you know? 
I guess. That's that's pretty cool to me. But the problem with it for, on a week to week basis is once you do have that that sort of, you know, thing and and if it was structured like the original series where he's there because they need a, an extra body on the ship, you know, like, kind of like Sulu was in in the original series, then yeah, you could have that and that's a cute little thing and a nice reminder of of what's going on and and in a lot of ways uh that's kind of what they did with uhura you know um you have you know an african-american woman on the bridge of the enterprise and and that's really her big contribution to that show they don't give the character anything else to do well they didn't really give a lot of characters i mean they didn't right that's kind of much to do and even he you know was was kind of you know i mean there were out of the three well i guess you could say scotty ever every once in a while too and that's how that show was set up. It was always about Kirk and mm-hmm. and then Spock and then, you know. It was always about Kirk and sort of about Spock. And every once in a while, somebody else would get a bone. Whereas, you know, by the time Next Generation came around, TV had changed to the point where your supporting cast all had their moments to shine. And if you have seven or eight people on the show, every one of them is going to get an episode or two over the course of a season. TV changed and also kind of um, the, the, it was really the, the the market reality, yeah, yeah, because of you know a much much larger audience you had to appeal to everybody, so you have to make different episodes. Mm-hmm. Double edged yeah. sword, get the yeah. standalone restrictions and the variety. And because of that, you know, they found that having him as a helmsman really didn't give him much to do. Well, and the problem hard with to tell is, stories. Is, is that you end up with the black guy being the driver. There's that, too. Which yeah. is not great. No, no. You don't really want that. No. So, I mean, like, between the black guy being the driver and the other black guy being the bouncer, it's <laughs> not great. Yeah, yeah. They they were in some, some uh, murky waters there, you know. Mm-hmm. But since they didn't have an engineer... On a full-time basis, which is kind of weird that they would be like, here's the counselor, and here's the security officer, and here's, uh, I guess it's really the other security officer, and (laughs) it's like, well, we don't have an engineer. Well, why not? Well, you know, I mean, what do you need an engineer for? Even though, like, that was a huge part of the formula on the original series. So season two rolls around, and they're like, you know what? (laughs) Let's let's make let's let's get an engineer. It's all so bad once you start looking at it through that lens. <laughs> once you open that, once you open the door to the like the like, is it racist? Yeah, it's 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 kind of weird. You know the whole the whole thing. The, I think a lot of it is sort of like unintentional racism. But oh no no, it's all unintentional. And and the problem is that it's it's like a lot of. That first season, a lot of a lot of like stupid. I didn't think through this kind of racism. That, that first season <laughs> was not the most racially sensitive season in Star Trek's history. You know, let's I just mean, go there. Code of Honor. Code of Honor. Okay, but you know they course corrected in season two in a lot of ways. It seems like, and one of the, one of the ways that they did that uh, in relation to Jordy in particular is they gave him something to do. You know, they made him the engineer of the ship where. You stop for a second and you're like, where did that come from? Because there's no indication in season one that this guy is on that career path or that he'd be suitable or next in line or anything. And yet they were just like, screw it. Let's let's be serious here for a minute. And if we're going to keep this show on the air for another six years, 
we should probably give this guy something to do. Mm -hmm. And making him an engineer was a perfect fit. You know, you give him his own domain, even though he isn't, you know, on the bridge on on a, 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 a minute by minute basis. He does have something to do all the time, and there's a lot of things that you can do with him, kind of on his own. And you know, they have that set down there; they might as well use it. So that I think is, is was a pretty solid move, and I think that it it uh, you can tell. I think you can tell in Burton's performance that once he gets down there, he kind of is like, okay, now I get this character because now there is a character to get in a lot of ways, you know? Well, I think for me it was sort of a... I mean, I remember watching this as a kid and I didn't I didn't really, like, even recognize LeVar Burton until I saw him in engineering telling people what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, uh, like, I mean, with the visor on, like, I didn't recognize... That guy from Roots, that documentary that I probably was shown in class days earlier. Yeah, but like I didn't recognize him, and then I then I heard his voice saying, "Get down over there and and recouple the right the the the, the energy couplers. They need to be recoupled. They've decoupled." And the guy's like, "Okay, I can, I don't have the time." And Jordy's like, "Whatever, I don't have time for your nonsense, buddy." If he had talked like that, it would have been a much different show. Maybe better. But I, that's when I recognized him as, like, famous actor who has a lot of respect. And also maybe that guy from Reading Rainbow, that show that tells me that it's time to stop watching Saturday morning cartoons. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, we'll get into that in a few weeks. But, yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of crazy if you look at it and you look back, you know, like in, in you know, uh, the Star Trek Next Generation companion that, that Larry Nemechek wrote and everything like that it it really does seem to indicate that lavar burton was the big name yeah. in the cast you know he yeah. was the guy who did roots which we're going to talk about next week and he's the guy who was known to people yep and he was kind of their their get in a sense you know mm -hmm. in a similar way that that shatner was on the original series you know yeah um maybe not quite at that level you know, it's weird because Different reality. now you think of, of Shatner as being like someone who was made by Star Trek. But back then he was a known character actor, you know? Yes. He, we don't really have a parallel at this point in time because the, the reality of the acting world is very different. But right. at the time he was a very young, he was someone who was on the cusp very of stardom. recognized. Yeah. Yeah. For, for being a TV actor. Right. And and Burton, you know, kind of a similar scenario. Um, so so, what do you, what do you think about uh, Burton's performance on on Next Gen? Um, I think like a lot of shows, um, like a lot of characters in a lot of Star Trek series, they had a hard time with Jordy for a long time. And I think in later seasons, they finally sort of clicked into the idea that he is really good at a lot of things, and is actually kind of bad at people. Mm -hmm. And he's good at being a, a sort of leader, but he's not really good at being friendly. And it's evidenced in his terrible, awful string of interactions with women. Yeah. He is the, the he has, not only he has, he has he no game, he has negative game. He makes other people without game better players. Yes. Yeah. I, I agree with that. And um, it's weird because 
I I feel like his performances are better when he's not the focal point. If he is like a supporting character, I, I feel like he's really locked in to what he's doing. I don't know. Uh, maybe he's just good at techno babble. I don't know what what the history is on that or whatever. Or if it's just that, I mean, he sells that stuff, you know, and, and when, when there's a problem or something or, or like... Well, it helps that you can't see him rolling his eyes. <laughs> that's true. You know, but, but you know, when anytime that there's anything like that, I feel like he's really locked in and that it's very sort of a, a very consistent and solid performance. And when he's in like those awkward social situations or whatever, um, I don't respond to it as well. And I think part of that is the writing both in terms of like me not being interested in these stories and also in terms of them not being as good and maybe not knowing what's best for the character. And obviously if you're needing to play a character and the writing for that character is not tremendously great, then your performance is going to suffer because you don't have the material that you need to work with, you know? Well, I think that I think that for the most part, the, the the interactions with women sequences are really good. I mean, like, Aquiel is the only negative one I can think of. But I mean, yeah, I think they are decent problem. episodes, but I mean, like just like comparatively the, the, speaking, the two Leah Brahms episodes yeah. I think are really good examples of of Levar Burton being really good at acting, mm-hmm. and Jordy yeah. being likable, and okay. also kind of sad. It's sad for sure. You know, likable. You know, maybe it, it, it's a difference. You know, like yeah, she's cute. She's not real, Jordy. Maybe tone down the creepy a little. Yeah, yeah. You're but, getting a little Barkley up in here. But if there's an episode which I, I do think, you know, Geordie the Forge shines as sort of like the spotlight, at least amongst the regulars, and also LeVar Burton shines in terms of his performance, and it's true to the character, down to him being a total jerk, it's relics, of course. That's the ultimate Jordy episode, right? I think. That's what you say. I don't really you don't agree. agree. Okay, all right. Fair enough. I, I think that Relics is really solid, and I think that his performance in it is solid, and I think it really hits the nail on the head, and this is the one that I always point to because most of the time it's just little moments. Like in the episode where the the ensign spills coffee all over his uniform, and he's like... Yeah, I'll get another one. You know, there's just a certain shortness to him where, you know, the thing that I keep on thinking is like, you're not paying these people, you know, they're here, you know, as volunteers. <laughs> yes, if they were because paid, the that would have made it so much no, 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 better. No, 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 but I mean, like, you know, he's he's a boss. What do we pay you for? Oh, you're right. Never mind. I shouldn't have yelled at you. You're I mean, not. That's... You're a volunteer. I'm a volunteer. Honestly, why don't I yell at you? Who cares? <laughs> What are they gonna do? Fire me? Oh, what am I gonna do now? It's it's kind of it's just maybe I'll a, go live at home and do nothing. It's just kind of a thing where it's like, anytime I see him interact with one of his you know subordinates, I'm just like, why you got to be so mean, Jordy? You know, he, they're, they're trying their best. They're trying really hard. I I agree that he is sometimes rude. Yeah. I also don't really care. See, to me, it's just it usually, and it's usually just these little moments, right? And and I, I always, I'm always like, because I'm always the guy who says, I feel like, I feel like no one else points this out, but I'm always the guy who says, like, Jordy's a jerk. I think that the problem is that we are only seeing Jordy 
when there is serious stuff happening. Maybe, maybe. And when serious stuff is happening, the only guy who has to do his job well or everyone will just die. (laughs) I guess that's it, you know? Gets really tense. I I guess that's it. Everybody else can screw up and people might not die. You know, he's, he's a jerk in the same way that James Cameron is a jerk. You know, and maybe that's why in like the Leah Brahms episodes or whatever, he's cool because he's not in life and death death situations or, you know, sort of whatever. Sort of is. But, you know, (laughs) but but relics is the episode which is key to me in that it's like you are being a total jerk to this legend. I mean, James Cameron would not be treating uh, Orson Welles the way that. Jordy LaForge treats. Yeah, but if Montgomery Orson Welles Scott. was standing around James Cameron going like, Oh man, you're not gonna believe it. I totally did this. Like, okay, did you see like my Hamlet? Okay. Cause like like the T one thousand, right? It's very Macbeth. Let me explain what I mean for the next forty five minutes. <laughs> like you would you'd go, Oh my god, Orson, I know <laughs> That what we're doing here is cool, and you want to hang out and talk about stuff, but like it's the middle of the night, and and like I gotta get the shot, and like I'm inventing CGI. It's a whole thing. Um, can we get Lavar Burton here to distract this guy while I get the shot done? It's just it's just one of those things, and maybe it's because the episode is kind of told from Scotty's perspective, but it's just like, come on, man, just be nice to the guy, you know, give him, give him, give him a break. He's, he's had a hard day, you know? I agree. I, I think that, that, that there's no real easy way of making that scenario work. And I I think that, you know, what they do is completely true to the character and everything. And, uh, I, I think that it's, it is a really good episode and it's a really good Jordy episode, and I love it more than anything else because it's one that everyone's familiar with, and I can very easily point to it as an example of Jordy being a total jerk. So, whatever. I think that I think that the, the opposite argument that he's being responsible and doing his job well and eliminating distractions from his day—that's uh, a reasonable thing to say. And when Picard says, "Look, I know that what you're doing is not wrong." But I'd like you to cut him a little bit of extra slack because I feel sorry for him. And when you think about it, maybe I should feel really sorry for him. Because, like, everyone he knows is dead. Except for Spock. (laughs) Which is really weird. Because, like, he didn't even get along with Spock that well. I mean, they didn't really talk. I mean, if they hung out, they'd be like, remember that time? Oh, I wasn't there for that. (laughs) Yeah, I was was at the ship. I didn't... (laughs) Really? That is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. He, wow. I don't even know. You believed that. Apollo. Fine. Whatever. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go get drunk. But. but that was Spock saying that. Yes. I don't know. Um, yes. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I like that episode. I like Burton's performance. And on the whole, I think that Burton's really solid. I think that, you know, over the course of the series, he, you know, certainly crafted uh, a, a character which is believable and um, kind of it's a kind of a bold move to, to make him a jerk and I like it I like it anyway even though I don't like Jordy. anyway I think of his being a little ornery but not 
Okay. Fair enough. Fair curmudgeonly? Enough. I would say curmudgeonly. Fair enough. Now, now let's let's shift gears a little bit and um, take a look at technical term Lavar Burton's work as a director on Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Now he's one of the people like Jonathan Frakes, who came out of the Star Trek actors directing school and directed a lot of episodes of Star Trek, more episodes of Star Trek than any other actor to come out of uh, that sort of internship thing. He directed for all four uh, of the modern-day Treks, which I think he's the only one of the uh, actors to do that. Yeah. Uh, he did two episodes of Next Generation. The first episode of Next Generation that he directed was Second Chances, which is actually kind of impressive. Uh, that's actually the first thing ever that he directed. And mm-hmm. for, yeah, you know, it's a very uh, effects-heavy show, very good episode. Some um, of those effects are actually good. Yeah. Most of them are. There's the one where they he sets the thing down on the table and the other one. It's not one of the good ones. I like that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, and then he also directed The Pegasus, which is considered um, to be uh, a really good episode by mm-hmm. a lot of people. Both Riker-heavy episodes. He directed 10 episodes of Deep Space Nine, including um, Behind the Lines, Soldiers of the Empire, To the Death, Sword of Kalis. Uh, he directed eight episodes of Voyager, including Timeless, which was the 100th episode of the show, which he actually appears in as Captain Geordi LaForge. Mm-hmm. And that's probably his most critically acclaimed episode of anything on Star Trek that he's he's directed. Really? Yeah. There's a lot of people who really Timeless. love Timeless. Yeah. That's, really, that's fascinating. Um, th- that's the episode where... Uh, Harry Kim creates the slipstream technology thing. That's the one that's they, named after how long it feels. <laughs> they test it out. It doesn't work. And everyone dies except for, like, Chakotay, the doctor, and someone else. And they... Uh, Probably Harry Kim? Maybe. Maybe. And they send <laughs> they send a message back in time to tell them to not test out the slipstream. Um, obviously, we're not as familiar with this episode as some people. However, seeing as how we're part of a network and everyone's, uh, you know, uh, working together to create this huge tapestry, not the episode, but like a, the thing. Let's just say the episode. To create this huge, it's a wonderful cue. Yes. If you go over to the journey, to the journey. To the journey. To the journey. Um, they just did their 100th episode, and for that 100th episode, they did a commentary for Timeless. So we're not even going to pretend to know what we're talking about when it comes to Timeless. Go over to to the journey and listen to episode 100 for a full-length commentary. You can insert that just like they took um, the, the last episode of Enterprise and inserted it into Pegasus. Uh-huh. Like, we're... The Pegasus. Making and Enterprise the journey fit into is the, these are Pegasus the voyages. continuity. Yeah. Yeah. So you just like insert and it works. It's maybe, no, I guess we're the these are the voyages and they're the Pegasus. Right. That would make sense because they're the, the good so one. So are we inside them? Yeah. No, they're inside us, but they're the they're the good one. Well, it feels good either way. And we're, <laughs> we're the bad one. And yeah, anyway. So, so anyway. He he did he did a bunch of episodes of Voyager. He did Q two and and some other ones, and then he did uh, it was nine episodes of Enterprise. So two episodes of Next Gen, ten of DS nine, eight of Voyager, and nine of Enterprise. 
So that's what, tw- 29 episodes. That's more mm-hmm. than a season worth of Star Trek yep. he directed. On Enterprise, he directed stuff for the entire length of the show, including some pretty uh, heavy hitters as far as Enterprise is concerned. He did um, Similitude. Is that how you pronounce it? Similitude? Similitude Sim- is a word. Similitude. That's the one um, with uh, where they create the new um, trip to like harvest his organs or something like that. Uh huh. I forget exactly what happened in it. He did Cogenitor. He died. Which is the one I think where Trip gets pregnant. Hmm. I think. And and then he did uh, later on in the show, like probably his most critically acclaimed episode from Enterprise is The Augments, which is the one with uh, yeah. Brent Spiner. Uh, which is pretty cool. And it, they get to team up again, you That's know. A stupid episode. Jordy and Data teaming up. I like the Augments a lot. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, you shouldn't. That, that, that uh, arc. That's pretty cool. So pretty solid uh, career uh, as a director. Now, there's something which I've been going back and, and looking at this because I don't remember this when it happened, but I remember going to a convention and hearing about this. But he was at least being considered to direct Nemesis. And from what I remember hearing from back in the day is that he was kind of set up. He was all in line to do it. He was um, Berman's choice, essentially. And everyone was like, now it's LeVar Burton's turn to direct a Star Trek movie. And he's earned it. Yeah. He's directed 29 episodes or whatever at that point, um, you know, 22 or something like that. And it's his turn to get a movie. And then it was the, the studio who stepped in and said, Stuart Baird, we owe Stuart Baird because look how he saved Mission Impossible 2 and Lara Croft Tomb Raider. So he's going to be directing. And we don't pay him, so we've got to give him a franchise. <laughs> oh, no, wait, we do pay him. <laughs> Maybe we don't have to give him a franchise. But they gave him a franchise, and uh, Burton did not get to direct Nemesis, which is unfortunate. He's directed a lot of stuff. He's directed a lot of television. To be fair, he probably wouldn't have been able to save Nemesis. A few TV movies. I think he could have, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did a. He did well, a, I mean, there's no way he could have made it worse. He did a. It's literally not possible. He did a, a movie called Blizzard, which is like a kids' movie, which I remember playing at the Chicago Children's Film Festival, and I remember thinking, like, I want to go see that because LeVar Burton directed it, and it was on like a Saturday morning because it was Chicago Children's Film Festival, and I'm like, I can't go. I'm sorry, I can't. Still haven't seen it, but whatever. So that's his career as a director, which is pretty impressive. So, um. I'm surprised that he didn't direct, like, Reading Rainbow episodes, because, I mean, oh, he produced it for, like, a thousand years. You know, it's quite possible that he has. He's directed uh, a number of things. Um, and we're not going to be looking at any of his stuff as a director. But, um, I mean, just to kind of give you an idea of some things that you might have heard of. He hasn't directed any Reading Rainbow, but he's directed, um,. Uh, Soul Food, Jag, Charmed, Las Vegas, and now uh, a show called Perception. I don't know what that is. Rachel Lee Cook is in it. Okay. Well, he's directed two episodes. He's of also that. in it. Oh, he is? Yeah. Oh, then there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Perception. Look it up. I think it's on TVS. Honestly, I'm not sure. Okay. Um, and as an actor, he's done tons and tons of stuff. You know, Roots, obviously. Um, um, he's a free enterpriseman. Oh, Rafer Weigel? No, no, he's he's doing sports in St. Louis right now, I think. I, I, or no, I think he's doing actual news in St. Louis. Who that is? The, the other guy, the Will and the Grace one, guy. Will and Grace guy, yeah. 
Um, and you know, as an actor, he he's been in everything. You know, um, just all over the place. It, right? He's on him, as himself in The Big Bang Theory, and yes, you're right. He is on Perception. Oh, that's cool. So, so I watch Perception. Just by the way, Community too. He's on Community. Um, as LeVar yes. Burton as yes. well. So does that mean the Big Bang Theory takes place in community continuity? Go to hell. <laughs> I said that just for you, Max. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so any any final thoughts on LeVar Burton's work in Star Trek? Um, I, I don't blame him for anything that happened on Enterprise. Okay. Is that it? Um, I, you know, I have a problem. My problem with Timeless is that it's one of the many Voyager episodes that never happened. Yes. And I hate those. Yes. And, um, and yet they tend to be the best ones. A Year of Hell is the best episode. No, it's not okay when you're, when, when the only way you can have drama is by making it not have happened at the end of the episode. But the drama is no, really good up until no, they say it didn't happen. No, You know why? Because it's not about the journey. Okay. It's about the destination. <laughs> Ooh, the gauntlet has been thrown down. <laughs> <laughs> Those yes, are, those are the absurd wars. gauntlet has been thrown down on the imaginary floor <laughs> that's holographic and might turn deadly at any random moment. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, yeah, my final thoughts? I don't even know at this point. <laughs> um, no, my He's final... a good director. He's a really good director. He's just, he Look, just worked on Enterprise, which he, is unfortunate. He's, he's, he's a really good uh, actor and director. You know, I, I oh, think yeah, he's a great actor. His performance is, is really good in, in uh, Next Generation. And also, what you're saying about him being a good director is totally true. Anytime, you know, it was, it was around, I think it was in the, the Enterprise years, really, when I started to really take note of him and his work as a director. And I remember he was in sort of the rotation. He was one mm-hmm. of the directors on the show. That was his job. Mm-hmm. And um, anytime that his name would come up on screen, I'm like, oh, we're in for a solid episode here, direction-wise, at least. Like, I know that he, he's got, like, a very clean style. I kind of know what to expect. Like, there's some guys who are just really sort of, like, over-over two-shot. There's other guys who mm-hmm. kind of have, you know, a smooth take on the style. And he was one of those guys. And there are, and there are guys who have an awkward take on it. Sure. And and when when I watch Patrick Stewart has an awkward take on the style. Patrick Stewart's awkward take on the style like pays off though. Maybe in interesting ways. Gates McFadden. Had Gates an McFadden take on the style. Awkward take on the style. I don't blame her. But like Jonathan Frakes, Lavar Burton, Roxanne Dawson, and Robert Duncan McNeil, those guys were all really solid. Yes, they actually all were. But like there are there are weird things. Like I like I don't want when I watch Enterprise, I don't watch it super attentively because the fact is I just trail off and start doing other things while it's on and I just can't pay attention to it while it's on because it's very boring and and when I when I am redirected to it uh it's always sort of like based on what like what's happening in the episode and if the episode's good and if the scene is being well done or if I notice something that I didn't notice before and and there are like like recurring themes that happen and one of the recurring elements is like a good director a good writer and a good actor 
And there are like very specific sequences, and LeVar Burton was one of those things. When I would notice something and then look it up, very often it was directed by LeVar Burton. Yes, this is true. Okay, so we're going to be getting into, yeah, like we said, his work as an Emmy nominee because it is kind of crazy how this guy who, you know, we think of as Geordie LaForge, when you look at the stuff that he has done in television, specifically on Reading Rainbow more than anything else, it's crazy what his his uh, his credentials are like on that show. Uh, let me Let me just look this up just to be 100% positive here. He has won 10 Emmys, 10 daytime Emmys. That's insane, you know? I mean, come on. It's just like you've got all these guys, and you're like, hey, oh, yeah, look at them. He's a good actor. Patrick Stewart, oh, man, he's amazing. Look at that. Oh, you know, Jonathan Frakes, he's, he's really good at, at, at directing as well as acting. Oh, oh, Robert Wise, he's got some Oscars. Oh, and then there's LeVar Burton. What did he do? He played Jordy. Oh, what else has he done? He's won 10 Emmys. He's got 10 Emmys sitting on a shelf at home. He's also got a fairly significant um, history of philanthropy. He does have a history of philanthropy, like you're saying, too. You know, I mean, the whole Reading Rainbow thing that just happened with the Kickstarter thing. I mm-hmm. mean, the fact that he was, like, brought to tears when that thing hit, it reached its goal. It's not like he's getting rich off of this. Yeah. That's something that he believes, you know? Yeah. And that's where... Well, the Burden is, is, a, is a positive force for change in a lot of ways. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about that. Uh, you know, we're going to be talking about his work in Roots and his work on Reading Rainbow. All right. So now let's shift gears a little bit. Story which we've been following the director situation on Star Trek 13. A story which you've been following. We've been following. And I've been hearing about (laughs) because I do not care. And because you haven't been here. But, you know, this is... No, I don't care. This is relevant. (laughs) This is relevant to our show because our show is about Star Trek creators and this is the newest Star Trek creator. Yep. It was just announced today as we're recording, Monday, that the director of Star Trek 13 is going to be Justin Lin. It's a bit of a surprise. I thought he was kind of their their long shot, like we need to put a huge action person name on the uh, short list just to say that we're looking for a huge action person, but they got him. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very interesting choice for those people who are not familiar. Justin Lin is best known as the... I would describe him as the auteur of the Fast and Furious franchise. He directed... Numbers three through six. Um, the newest one is not one of his. Yes. No, the one that's coming out next is not his. Okay, that's what I thought. But the last four that have come out are right. all his. From Fast, from, I'm sorry, The Fast and The Furious, Tokyo Drift, through Furious I Six. I don't hear any more about this. Those are all his. Um very solid director, uh, very good with, with action, very good as a visual stylist. He also has some sort of, you know, uh, art house pedigree in a sense. He got his start as uh, the director of a little indie movie called Better Luck Tomorrow, um, which was very critically acclaimed, and which you could say, I got to watch it to be sure, but I think it might fit into Fast and Furious continuity because he took one of his characters from that and stuck him in. Anyway. Isn't the one that's dead? He dies in. He's the he's the one who dies in. He's the one whose own continuity doesn't really make sense. He dies in the third movie, and they keep on bringing him back in the other movies, making each 
one a prequel to the third movie because he didn't want to make a movie without this dude, which is pretty cool. Anyway. No, I get it. It's a very labored way of doing something that you could just say, like, oh, no, who cares? And yet he's someone who knows how to deal with a complex continuity of movies and uh, make it all work. So that's promising. Oh, yes. I'm sure he'll tie it all together in a brilliant way. <laughs> he he also directed a, a movie called Annapolis, which I haven't seen. I hear is not very good. Um, but he's also a television director. He's directed... Um, he, he's directed three episodes of Community. Now, I know that you're a Community fan, um, and I hear that some of these episodes are considered to be some of the best. He's directed... They were all from season one, but he did Introduction to Statistics. That's the one where Jeff finally hooked up with his statistics professor. And then he did Interpretive Dance. I think... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the one... That's the first one that ends with a song. Okay. And then he did Modern Warfare. Everyone knows what that one is. And that's that's the one that I've heard of. That's like the paintball episode? Well, there are technically three paintball episodes. But the first one. Yes, the first one um, is... And that's considered to be one of the like the best episodes of the show, right? Um, no, but it is considered to be one of the first episodes of the show that indicated that this was going to be a much more significant thing than just a really well-written sitcom. Okay. Well, that's that's cool, and you know, I, I'm going to definitely go back and check it out now because I want to stay on top of this stuff. And now, honestly, considering like the, the the weird sort of history, I'm I'm not so sure that Edgar White was outside of the pool. Yeah, because there's there's some overlap there in terms of appeal, demographics. There are a lot of things that yeah. make that kind of seem less implausible. I think that maybe that what happened with Edgar Wright was they asked him. I, I heard that they did ask him. He was mm-hmm. their first choice, and he's said no. My guess would be because he was just coming off of the opposite end of an experience like this, and maybe he was like, you know, I don't want to get involved in this again. Are you mm-hmm. crazy? No. Let me just make my little... Uh... I have an idea. Scotty makes a suit that he can use to make him really big or really small. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And yes, <laughs> Let me see. And we'll, just, we'll just go from there. Maybe Captain America shows up, <laughs> or maybe not. You know, maybe that was the sticking point there. <laughs> um, that would be hilarious. Now, the other television thing which he has done so far, there's well, there's one thing which is coming up, which to me suggests a lot because you you look at it and you're like, okay, this guy has made a bunch of action movies. Well, a lot of them consider to be dumb action movies, although a lot of action movies which people like a lot. I mean, Fast Five, no, I'm sorry, Furious Six came out at the same time as Into Darkness. And a lot of the people who were very critical of Into Darkness were like, Furious Six, this is where it's at. This is what it should be. Into Darkness is getting it wrong in terms of like being a big budget blockbuster. Furious honestly, Six I, is I, doing it right. Honestly, I would not be at all surprised if the Fast and Furious movies were better than the the recent Star Trek films. Well, they're, they're not. I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. They're, but then again... <laughs> they're, they're not. But but they are good. You know, the, the last two. The, the three and four, not good movies. Five and six, good movies. I've seen, I've seen two or three Fast and Furious movies, and they're better than The Expendables. Yes, they are. Yes, so, they are. But, but the, you, you, how bad could it 
regardless of, regardless of that, you know, the, the, the action, you have to say, the visual style is very well done. Um, even if the, I don't actually have to say that. Even if the writing is, is maybe less than, than ideal. However, you know, kind of like this to me here, this, this thing suggests that he really is someone who is respected as like a good storyteller, a good director, even if the material that he's working with is not super great. He's directing for True Detective next season. Yeah. Now, you got to think that True Detective has their choice of people to work with. I mean, they were talking about working with William Friedkin, some other people. For the for the, the idea that they were like, yeah, let's get Justin Lin to come in and direct the first two episodes of this show. It's not surprising. He's, there's no there's there's no question that he's a good director. Yeah. The only question is 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 he a particularly good director of movies? And I think he is a good that director. I, that I have some that I have some concern about. I, I think he is a good director of movies, and I think like you know I've been messaging back and forth with Drew about this because we're all like, oh, you know, we're a bunch of nerds. Anyway, and the thing that, you that did, really, yeah, yeah, we are. Believe are you it or sure? not, we kind of Star Trek of. podcast, sort of, sort of. Anyway, the thing that that, alert? that he brought up, which which is is very true, is you know he's like. Okay, looking at his filmography, it seems like he's someone who really is sort of like a gun for hire in a sense. He's a director who's not a writer, and he's not going to try to impart his vision in the sense of a writer's vision onto the series. And that's probably what they need right now. That's probably the best thing for the job. That's why, you mm-hmm. know, like I, I was saying, this Frakes idea is a good one. And um, I think I think that Drew is right about that. And I, I think that, you know, that'll be good. I mean, like, assuming that the script is solid and that he doesn't tinker with it, which there's no reason to think that he would, I think what we're going to get... Why would we get, assume that? That he wouldn't tinker with it? No, why would we assume that the script is solid? We, we talked to those guys. I know, but we don't I mean, know we, what we they don't know, We don't with. know if they're going to use we those guys. We don't know if, if, That's if true. the script is even still in play. We don't know what the and, deal and is I'm, And I'm kind of thinking that they did throw it out because, you know... Roberto Orsi has been on Trek Movie and he's been answering a lot of people's questions. And the one question which keeps on coming up, one which I've asked uh, a, a couple times now, is Is the Payne and McKay script still on the table? Are they still involved? Mm-hmm. And his, he hasn't responded to that. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see what we get. But assuming that the script is good, I think that Justin Lin is a very good choice. I think that he can bring a lot to the table as a director, you know, not as like an auteur, but as a director. If they haven't already ruined it, it might turn out really well. (laughs) Right. Justin Lin is nothing but a plus to the project, you know? That's what I, that's, that's my take on it. But why Justin Lin? It still seems like an oddball choice. Well, Scorpion, have you seen this TV show? It's a new show. An eccentric genius forms an international network of super geniuses to act as the last line of defense against the complicated threats of the modern world. He is a producer on it. He directed the pilot. And one of the other producers on the show is Roberto Orsi. So there you go. There's the connection. So well, that's unfortunate. Yeah, have you seen the show or not? I have no idea what this show is. I don't know what it is either, but now I'm curious. It sounds kind of like Threshold. It kind of does, yeah. But it's got Catherine McPhee. Who? 
Catherine McPhee. That doesn't help. Yeah. Um, some other people. Anyway, <laughs> I'll, I'm going to check it out now. I'm interested. So that's that. It is. Star Trek. Tokyo Drift. It's the third one. I am, yes, I know. I've Let's do that. it. Let's no. Let's I do it. I'm not interested in doing that. Okay. So that's that. Uh, final sure thought, is. Final thoughts on Justin Lin. Happy, um, sad. I don't have any final thoughts. I'm pretty sure he's still alive, and we'll okay. probably have to make some more thoughts about him. So I'm I'm happy. My I don't current th- thoughts are. Um, not not as good as a fit as as Rupert Wyatt, but Justin Lin. The more I think about it, the more I think this is going to be an amazing looking movie. If nothing else, <laughs> you know, this is going to be a very exciting adventure, and that's. Fun. I'm just curious to see how they're going to work Vin Diesel in there. I'm I'm super excited to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for those people who haven't seen the Fast and the Furious movies, Fast Five, by the way, like one of the best credit cookies ever. I'm like, oh my god. Oh my god, I can't believe they're doing this. I don't even care about these movies and yet look what they did. That's so amazing. Anyway. Oh. We'll be talking about that. I wish the audience could have seen that extremely geeky reaction that he's <laughs> had to a thing that you were remembering. <laughs> remembering, not caring about. Anyway. So I'm excited. We'll see we'll see what happens, but I'm excited. All right. Well, it's been fun talking about LeVar Burton and touching on Justin Lin today. But that's not all we're talking about here on Trek FM. So here's a taste at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. And and so I was biased against it. it even when I started buying the, the two-disc collector's edition DVDs, I avoided buying any of the even-numbered movies. Odd-numbered Odd movies. Numbered movies. <laughs> Earl Grey. Like uh, like they stated in the end of the movie, you know, they thought he'd outlive all of them. And I'm like, yeah, that's what should have happened. We should have seen Data, like in the, you know, 26th century, like Data 5.0, whatever we call them. To the journey! You don't know if she's going to stab him or smooch him. She's going to smooch him, of course, after dessert. <laughs> after dessert. We all know what dessert means. Warp 5. Along with technology and along with trying to study the origins of a lot of different things that we've come to know in in the original series and beyond, it's hard to try and deconstruct it without insulting what has come in all of the things that we know of being Vulcan Mind Melt. Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. And my thought was, in the next scene, Crusher should have the body of the dead Klingon sitting on the back of her toilet holding a candle. You know, <laughs> which she would only get to do after Lieutenant Yara's gotten to hold the dead Klingon up to her ear to see if she can hear the ocean. Commentary, Trek stars. Everything you would imagine would be in an opening title sequence for this show is in there. I think the shot that really does it for me, the shot that really pulls everything together is when he dunks the basketball. <laughs> Melodic Treks. So we do know an awful lot of people get associated with Vic Fontaine. He name drops to the nth degree about all the famous people that he hangs around with. One of whom is Frank Sinatra. Axenar, the official podcast. When there's a possibility for something to be misunderstood or um, not clearly explained, it can potentially open up a big hole for a show because people can end up going down a path that was actually not what somebody wanted to be done. The 602 Club. 
what are those Bond movies that you go back to time and time again because they just do it better? Uh, first of all, Matthew, nobody does it better. That's true. Uh, it makes uh, me feel sad for the rest. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows. You can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Spreaker, Windows Phone, Windows Phone Tune SoundCloud, in. TuneIn, Zune, Zune, Windows Zune. I don't think so. Soundphone. <laughs> Where, wherever you can, wherever you find podcasts, you'll find us there. Um, you can also stream and download them uh, directly from the website. So go ahead over there and check that out. And uh, yeah, we've got tons of shows for you to choose from. New shows every day. Um, talking about some interesting stuff. Go check out To the Journey's commentary for Timeless because, you know, um, LeVar Burton. I almost said Tim. Didn't quite, but I almost said Tim. Why would you say Tim? Tim Burton. (laughs) (laughs) Same difference. That's so fascinating. Now you're getting first names confused. So uh, What's happening? So so go ahead and uh, check that out. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor who helps us bring commentary, Trek Stars, to you each week. And our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all of the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have the time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. They've even got... Michael Jan Friedman's adaptation of Relics, which is narrated by James Doohan and LeVar Burton. So you can listen to LeVar Burton's performance and just feel <laughs> the jerkiness coming through in the character of Jordy. Okay, so I think we're going to need to get a, a, a video of you listening to the entire thing, <laughs> reacting to things. Being like, It's just going to be a camera on you going like, Gotta be, come on, Jordan. Like Cut him some slack. Just the headphones. Oh. Just headphones. All right. For those people who aren't familiar, the USS Enterprise discovers the wreckage of a starship upon the monstrous surface of a Dyson sphere, an artificially constructed habitat built around a star and preserved in a weak transporter pattern is Starfleet's engineering legend, Scotty. Mr. Scott boards the Enterprise to find himself lost in a world that he barely recognizes. A world that has passed him by. And a jerk who isn't going to let him forget that he's completely freaking useless. Word for word recitation of the description of this episode. And you can get this book for free since you listen to Trek FM. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm and we thank Audible for supporting commentary, Trek Stars, and Trek FM. And finally... Uh, if you want to uh, support the network uh, personally, you can go to patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm and donate um, to to us there. It's kind of like Kickstarter, but on a monthly basis. Um, there's certain um, rewards levels, uh, everything from like wallpapers for your phone all the way up through like um, – We've described producer. it in a million different Correct. ways. Yeah. 
like Kickstarter, but Kick Upkeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, let's try. It's like a subscription to a magazine, except instead of a magazine, it's people talking. Yeah. And, you know, even a dollar or two it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you just, you know, if you can help us out, we, we would be very, very appreciative. If you can, just go to patreon.com slash trekfm. Thank you very much. All right. Well, that's it for uh, part one in our series on LeVar Burton. Next week, hopefully John will be back and the three of us can discuss his Emmy-nominated performance on the miniseries Roots.